live from Utrecht. This is the fan William Sjors Nedo. Hallo. Hey Sjors. What's up? What's up? Not much. Not much here either. Our topic today is Sighash no input. Also known as Sighash any prevout or Sighash any prevout any script. Yeah, I guess it's any prevout now. I'm just using an old name, aren't I? You are. Yeah, I, I wrote an article, I guess, a couple of years ago by now. And uh, even at that point, any prevout was a thing, but no input was earlier. So I kind of decided to go with the no input class. It had Lindy because the name was changing all the time. So, uh, Yeah, so, okay. Sorry, actually, so I guess the episode is about any prevout. That's right. Um and that's a, po- a proposed new SIGHASH flag. Yep. And it's being, I think it was originally, so I guess it was originally proposed by Anthony Towns, but, you, you know, it was based on work by Christian Decker and Rusty Russell. And even before that, I think it was mentioned in the Lightning White Paper. Mm-hmm. Um, am I saying that right? I think so, right? I think so. The BIP says it. What's the bib number? Um, bib number one one eight one hundred eighteen. Okay. Any prevout? Uh, actually, new... if you go to bib one one eight, you'll find I think there's still the sig hash no input. So if you Google around a bit or look in the show notes, there there'll be a link to a pull request slash branch that is the new version. Right. Okay. Yeah. So just to be clear, it's in flux, but that's the new name. We're calling it any prevout today. I think. Right. Yes. Okay, so it's a new type of sig hash flag. Sure, so what is a sig hash flag? Okay, so when you sign a Bitcoin transaction, um, the, the question is, what are you actually signing, right? You're signing a message that says, send coins from A to B. And what a sig hash flag, flag does is, normally you would just sign that entire message. So you would sign a message from sent from A to B. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, what you can do with sig hash flashes, uh, sig hash flags, mm-hmm. is to say, well, I'm gonna sign only part of this transaction and leave the rest as a as a blank check, basically. Well, not necessarily a blank check, because a blank check, you know, means you can send it to anyone. That's usually not what you would do. Yeah. What you would, uh, but the other side might be blank. So you might sign a transaction saying, well, here's one bitcoin from me, and send two bitcoin to this other guy and I'm going to sign that part but I'm going to leave open extra inputs so I believe that is called sig hash anyone can spend no anyone can pay yeah, yeah. There, there are a bunch of different sig hash flags and the sig hash flags specify which part of the transaction is actually being signed and that means that other parts of the transaction can potentially be changed. That's right. Because uh, and remember, when you sign the transaction, um, well, that's then you can't really change it anymore, right? Normally, bec- um, so. But if somebody else wants to add an input, well, then they would sign their input. But now your signature is no longer correct, so you'd have to do another signature which includes their input. And so to prevent that, you have the sigash flags. So you sign your input with just saying, only look at my input. And they sign their input saying, only look at my input. And then you can basically, anyone can combine these transactions and can combine these inputs and it still works. Yeah. 
I just realized in case there are sort of really beginners listening, the thing is that with a cryptographic signature, it's really unique to whatever you're signing, while a regular signature just looks the same on every document. Yes. But in the case of a cryptographic signature, it's very unique to the specific thing you're signing. Yeah, because it so. uses a hash. You're signing a hash, essentially. Right. So we talked about hashes before. A hash is just a piece of text that you know you uh, that you hash. And so this piece of text would not include the other inputs, for example, or it would include the other inputs. Right. So Zcash flag, it specifies which part of a transaction you're signing. You can either sign the whole transaction, excluding the signature itself in that case. Yep. Or you can, you know, sign a part of a transaction. Well, so, so okay. yeah, you're always signing part of the transaction, right? Because you're not signing the signature itself. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's even more accurate. You're just specifying which part of the signature you're signing. Okay, then, so there are a bunch of these already, and now a new proposal is SIGHASH, any prevout. Yep. So which part of the transaction are you signing in the case of any prevout? Oh, well, more, more importantly, which parts are you not signing? That, that so, would be another way to ask. Right. So what you're, not, what you're usually, what are your transaction always, you know, a, a transaction always refers to the thing it's spending. So a transaction says, I am spending this, this earlier transaction. And, well, that's called a prevout. And so with this new f- flag, you don't sign that bit. So basically, somebody else can create a whole new transaction uh, and take your signature, and it's pointing to a different original transaction, but the signature is still valid. Because the signature does not say which which other transaction you're spending. Yeah, let me try to rephrase that. So every transaction has sort of the input part and the output part. The input part refers to a previous transaction and then an output part that's that specifies how the coins can be spent again in the next transaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're not signing the input, which is the case with any prevout, that means the signature doesn't specify to which previous transaction uh, it's referring. The signature doesn't. Mm-hmm. The transaction itself still does, of course, but the signature doesn't. Uh, the reason... Uh, let me let me say if I'm saying this right. Uh, yeah, of course, the signature still needs to be valid compared to the previous transaction. The, 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 you know, you're still, you, you're still signing... With the coin, with the public key from that previous transaction. Yeah. So, so put it another way, I guess. Again, is that a transaction input right refers to a previous transaction. This previous transaction has a script that has to be satisfied. And as we talked about, that script could be as simple as "give me a signature for this public key," but the script could be anything. But for the simplicity, we say, okay, the script just wants a signature. Um, and now, and so when you're spending a transaction, that's important that you're. Sp- that you're actually satisfying that script, um, but you're also saying this transaction actually needs to point to that original transaction. So that's a double thing. It's kind of it's kind of a double check. You don't you don't just satisfy the script. You also make sure that you're you're pointing to the previous transaction, and you don't have to sign that part. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll briefly mention why I'm sort of re-explaining this. It's because when I f- was first learning about this. I, I also was, find this confusing, don't I worry. I was incredibly confused about the fact that you could sort of change inputs because I real I figured how, how can it be possible that could mean you can spend 
any coins on the blockchain but you know that's not the case the signature still needs to match with the previous transaction with specific coins and it needs to match with the transaction it's just that you're not signing the specific input that's sort of the only difference yeah am, am exactly. i saying this right now i think so right yeah so the exactly so there's the signature still has to indeed you still have to satisfy the script the script says, I want a signature for this public key. You have to give it a signature for that public key. But the, the thing is, what Bitcoin is doing is really two things with these signatures. One is it's, it's, it's using signatures to prove that indeed you have a private key, but it is also using signatures to commit to a hash. So that's kind of where the confusion comes from. So the committing to a hash is the part where you're saying, this signature, when I said it, when I made the signature, it can't just be moved around. This really belongs to this specific transaction. That's one thing you're doing with the signature. The other thing you're doing with the signature is saying, yes, I actually own this this private key. And so the SIGHASH any prevout uh, proposal does not change that first property. You really do have to satisfy whatever condition, which might not be any signature. Of course, then it doesn't work, but yeah. How do you think it's going so far? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is amazing. Everybody totally understands it. Maybe we should actually Perfect. go through a, a much more a, a practical example of why this is useful. And that might even help clarify what it actually is. Actually, I have an alternative proposal. Okay. Let me first explain a problem with this, with this, uh, with any prevout, like a reason how it could go wrong. Okay, that's fine. That, that helps me understand. So let's see if it might help others. Okay, so let's say someone is reusing an address, yeah. which is recommended against. This is something people shouldn't be doing. But let's say you're reusing an address. So, uh, you know, it's like a donation address or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. People send money to this address. So let's say well, we're just going to use round coins, uh, which are worth uh, all-time high today, I guess, right? $60,000 or whatever. I'm sure one Bitcoin is worth one Bitcoin. You're right. Okay, so I'm receiving Bitcoins on this one address. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, I decide to spend one of these Bitcoins. Um, and I do it using any prev out, which is a problem. Or it was an even bigger problem for no input for very technical reasons, I think. But let's ignore that. Yep. Okay, now I'm sending this coin to use source. So I'm signing the transaction, but not the input. Uh, the transaction is still valid. It's a valid signature from my Bitcoin. And the transaction is valid. All the scripts are satisfied. So you get that Bitcoin. However, what you can do now is you can copy the transaction and so now there are two transactions and they look exactly the same and you swap in another one of my coins from that self at the same address yep and also transmit that to the blockchain and that will confirm as well so now all of a sudden even though i sent you only one transaction you were able to claim two two coins yep that's and the, right. re the reason both of them are valid is because they're both secured by the same private key. So the signature matches and I'm only signing the part of the transaction that doesn't include the input. So the inputs can be swapped. 
So yeah, that, or, so or to reverse this argument is why do transactions commit to their input in the first place? Why do signatures commit to the input in the first place? That's to prevent this. Right. Because, of course, address uses, you know, it's, it's impossible to prevent. So Yeah, so that that's sort of... I've, for me, this is how I understood it. This was what I needed to un- to to hear to understand. It. So maybe this would have helped someone else by now. Yeah. So maybe now, uh, now some of our listeners are are jumping with the Eureka, and others may still be confused. That's uh, almost certainly going to be the case. Okay. Now let's get to an example where this actually is useful, and which is why we're discussing this. And I think the most obvious example is L two. Yep, which is a, a confusing name in itself. It's uh, to, to explain that real brief. It's just a new Lightning Network version protocol. It, yeah, it's spelled E L T O O. Right. It's pronounced as L two, which also means layer two. Exactly. And it is also a layer two thing. So that's it's why. brilliant. <laughs> Um, okay. L2, L2, you could arguably say that it is a simplification of the Lightning Protocol. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the Lightning Protocol exists. I think most of the listeners will know that. Uh, and L2 is a proposed simplification of it. Yeah, and it uses this new technology. Yeah, and I think, uh, let me, uh, the, the, I think the main benefit of it is, uh, you can correct me if I'm, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right, actually. Uh, the main benefit is that it's, um, Right now, the way Lightning works is it uses something called penalty transactions. Yep. And it means that, you know, both parties in a payment channel have, um, they're both, they're both stacking up unconfirmed transactions, basically. If one of them sends an old transaction, so an old channel state, then that allows the other channel partner to use their penalty transaction to claim all coins from the channel. Yep. So that keeps everyone honest. That, that ensures that everyone, in the, both parties in the channel, will only ever broadcast the latest channel state. The problem is that sometimes code is buggy or you know someone accidentally messed up a backup of his wallet or so, something happens that wasn't you know, ill-intended, it was just a small accident, and now all of a sudden, all that person's coins are gone. So uh, L2 offers a solution that isn't so harsh. Yeah, basically and- there's two problems, right? One is that you have to hold on to a lot of material. If the other side is cheating, then you have to remember a lot of different things to, to make sure that you can actually punish them when they're cheating. And the other is if you you have toxic waste, as it's called. So if you accidentally publish any of that material too early or at the wrong time, maybe because you lost an update and you think you have the latest state, you will lose all your money. So it's it's scary in both directions. You, you have to remember a lot of stuff, otherwise you lose your money. You have to not leak a lot of stuff, otherwise you lose your money. Right, yeah. So that, that these are some complications with the current Lightning Protocol. Yep. So L2 is a proposal to simplify and improve on this yeah much easier do you want to give it a go yeah i'll try so in both protocols the first step is both parties put some money into a multi-sig address and then before they do that so they they'll they'll you know draft it but before they actually sign that and put it on a blockchain 
they make a transaction that takes it out of the multi-sig address, um, or at least that, that you know redistributes it. Um, and that is called basically the settlement transaction. So they, yeah, you're taking it out of the multi-sig address, and then once you've signed. You yeah, know, so the way so out, that, you publish the way in so that you know for sure that the coins are going to come out to you. That's the first step. Yeah, so let's say we're both going to put 10 coins into a lightning channel. You really like these <laughs> very large channels. All right. Uh, then the first settlement transaction, am I saying that right? I, I get confused about it. Yeah, the funding too. transaction puts 10 Bitcoin in, 10 Bitcoin out, and the settlement transaction takes 10 Bitcoin out for each of us. And yeah, it's exactly. Back where we started. Yes. Now, if we wanted to start using this channel, um, what we do is we have this thing called an update transaction, and this this update transaction. And now we're just talking about L two, but Lightning works similarly. Mm -hmm. um, the update transaction just says, okay, now nine bitcoins go to me, and eleven bitcoins go to you, or the other way around. Yeah, that meant you gave me a payment. You made a payment of one bitcoin to me. Exactly, mm -hmm. and. At the same time we do that, we also, at least in this L2 protocol, we also create a new settlement transaction that takes the money out of that update transaction and, and really gives it back. So it's it's kind of a double transaction. So, yeah, an update transaction and a settlement transaction. Right. And then we, we make more payments. For every time we make a new payment, we create a new update transaction. We do not send it to the blockchain. But here's the magic. Whereas with Lightning, you have to remember all of these. With L2, you only have to remember the last, the most recent one. So that means that if if you publish an older update transaction, then I can simply publish a more recent update transaction, and then the final settlement transaction. So there's there's no punishment, but there's also no toxic material. Right. Yeah. So. You could argue that this is already possible under the current Bitcoin protocol in a way, uh, in a complicated way, in a, a not useful way, but I'm just going to explain real brief to understand the idea. So the idea then is um, we have transaction number one, transaction number two, transaction number three. You know, these are all updates going up to transaction 100. Mm-hmm. That's the most recent channel state. Now, at some point, you try to cheat on me and you broadcast transaction 13 to the blockchain because that's the that's that was the point in time where you owned most of the most of the channel. Now, yeah. the way for me to counter that in a naive way is to then broadcast transaction number 14, which sends the uh, did we cover this already? Am I skipping ahead? No, that's fine. We can. Yeah, so uh, no, transaction 13 sends coins to transaction number 14, and then I broadcast transaction number 15 and 16, and I do this all the way until 100, until we get to the honest point of the channel. Yeah. So that would be my way to counter your attempted theft, is to just publish everything that happened on the channel so the blockchain will sort of run its course and I get my money. Yeah. What L2 does is it says, okay, you don't need to publish all 87 newer transactions. Any newer transaction will do. So you transmit transaction number, what was my example, 13? 
Yep. You tr- broadcast transaction number 13, and then I immediately broadcast transaction number 100, and now the blockchain will check, yep, 100 is newer than 13, so it's valid. Exactly. So you do not have to broadcast all the intermediate update transactions. And then, of course, the question is, how is that possible? What, what could also happen is you try to cheat with number 13, and my highest, you know, my, my most beneficial state was 67 so i try to counter with 67 but then you after that you know okay let's settle on 100 then and you broadcast 100 yes we'll always get to the most honest state probably uh, as long as we're both paying attention yeah to the last state exactly the, the last state, so, yeah. so there's a little um gotcha there with this publishing there's a time limit right so yeah when you cheat i have so and so many trans- uh, so and so many blocks to respond to that and that's because every transaction essentially has a switch statement in it where it says there's two possibilities. Either you wait 100 blocks and then uh, you can take the money or um, you actually show me a new update transaction, which you can do immediately. So if we're at update number 13, if I have update number 14, I can just put that on the chain immediately. But if I actually want to take the money out of the update transaction with a settlement, then I have to wait 100 blocks. And this guarantees or basically says that, you know, you can try to cheat, but I'm just going to publish the new version and the new version and the new version. And I can always do that immediately. Whereas, you know, if you want to take the money out, you have to wait. Yeah, That's still with the original protocol. And that's actually the same with L2. But now the question is, what is the magic that lets us skip these uh, these intermediate transactions? Yeah, well, so to first very briefly reiterate this, the benefit of using this system is that we don't need to store all of the other transactions. We just publish the latest one. And we're not punishing the counterparty too severely because we're just going to the latest state and we both get what we deserved. We both get our latest channel. Yeah, and there's there's also, there's no toxic waste. Right. Um, Okay, so we, I think that makes it clear what L2 is, at least for some listeners, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I think hopefully for some reason, listeners, it was clear what uh, any prevout was. So I think now the last step is to sort of connect. How does any prevout actually make L2 possible? Yeah, because normally when I, you know, you published um, version number 13 and we previously signed uh, update number 14. And when we signed update number 14, well, we only knew about number 13. So we created the transaction that referred to number 13. It was, it was commit, the signature was committing to the hash, uh, sorry, it was committing to the, to that specific input. And so what this any prefout thing lets us do is we say, we don't commit to this specific input anymore. We just say that any transaction that looks like this, uh, we can spend. And it gets even better um, because, well, yeah, I think that, that that would be the first step to explain. So that means that update 15 will work, update 16 will work, uh, basically any of them will work because we are, um, we're actually skipping two things. That is important to say now, I think. We are not committing to the previous transaction. We are also not committing to the script that we're spending. So these, these transactions... Uh, these update number 13 and 14 and 15, they all pay to a slightly different script. And I can spend from them all, as long as I can satisfy that script, that is. This is very powerful, but there's a problem, and I think you can guess what the problem is. 
I cannot guess what the problem is you have in mind right now. So if 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 transaction number 13 is on the blockchain and I want to spend it and and we've signed this transaction number 13 to say you can spend this with basically any like you don't have to commit to the script and you don't have to commit uh, t- to the input. So that means I can put any update transaction on top of that, including earlier ones. Right, sure, okay, yeah. sure. So that's not good. And this is why... Um, uh, so this is why the input script actually uses a little trick itself, which is to commit to a uh, block height. Or not a block height, but just to a number, to an end version. Right. Or is it end version? End sequence, sorry. So basically what it is, what the input script, because remember, we, we don't have to commit to the input script, but we do have to satisfy the input script. That's the little tricky confusion there. So we can't just take any, any coins we want. We do actually have to satisfy the script. And what the script says is, well, your sequence number must be higher than this. Must be high, Say must be higher than 13. And so the only way my sequence number can be higher than 13 is you know, if, it's, if it's a newer update. So this is how we guarantee how L2 guarantees that you can only spend you can only publish a newer version. Otherwise you keep going in circles. Yeah. Because you I would you, you would publish 13, I would publish 5, and you would publish 20, and I would go back to 18. No, you have to go up. Sure. Because of this trick. And then um basically so the update transactions don't don't commit to the input and they don't commit to the script whereas the settlement transaction which there's one settlement transaction for every update transaction that we signed at the same time. This commits to specifically um, one input, which does uh, commit to one script. So it, it commits to the script that says, well, it has to be number 14 or it has to be number 20. So this should make your head spin a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean... I this I understand it, but even for me, you know, it gets pretty complex with these kinds of topics, doesn't it, George? Or or is it just me? No, no, it quickly <laughs> does. I have to say, actually, I've I've read the L two proposal several times in the last few years, and I I think I understand it better today than I did yesterday. Uh, so this this will take some iterations, and it's quite hard to explain over audio. Yeah, it is. Well, I think one of the takeaways, and maybe this is obvious for some, and maybe it's not for others. Uh, but but one of the take one of the reasons this works, especially in the context of something like Lightning or L two, is that each update transaction needs the same signature because the coins are always stuck in the same multi address. That that's always what you're spending. So it always needs the same signature. So therefore, if you can just swap the inputs, you can keep updating. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Exactly. So so we've we've made the signature once when we updated the channel, and then we assume we might not see each other again. So that signature still has to be valid. And now that's good because I can actually tweak the transaction to point to a newer state. Um, and even that newer state, even though that newer state has a different script because it requires a higher version number, and that requirement is in the script, um, I can still do that because the real cool thing is not just Sigesh any prev out, so any previous input. It is Sigesh any prev out, any script. So I can, yeah, I can change everything. Well, not everything, those things. <laughs> okay, do you think that covers that part? Uh, do, do we just cover how L2 is enabled by any prev out? 
I think we did. Okay, then I want to briefly get into uh, the watchtower part because that's another big benefit of any prevout and L2 itself, right? Yeah, it sounds to me like you would not have to store as much stuff when you're building a watchtower. Yeah, exactly. Let's get into this very briefly because we've already discussed, we've already been discussing, been discussing pretty technical stuff for a while now, and people are probably people's heads are spinning like you said. But the idea of a watchtower is the idea of lightning and L two, like we mentioned, is that you need to keep paying attention to the blockchain to see if anyone is trying to cheat on you, and if that happens, you need to respond. Yeah, you need to respond on time. Yeah. So light, so watchtowers are uh this I I there are they exist now, right? There are some watchtowers out there I think right now. Or? I think so. Yeah. I mean so, you don't need them if you run your own node and it's always online, but if you have say a mobile client or if you think you might be offline. Yeah. So in short you're basically outsourcing this channel monitoring to other parties. Now this is done in a way I think that it's pri- pretty privacy preserving and secure and all of that. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that a watchtower is watching the blockchain for you. If someone cheats, they will broadcast the penalty transaction, and that you know that way that that saves you uh, time and effort to to do that yourself. The problem yeah. is, in order for a watchtower to do this, right now with the Lightning Network, they need to keep all of these penalty transactions for all of these other states of the payment of the channel. Plus. Yeah. They need to do this for all of their users, so that's that's gonna quickly add up to keeping a lot of data in order to operate a watchtower. Now with uh, L2, they don't need to keep all of this data for all of these people. They just need to keep the latest transaction for each channel once. Yeah. So that's a lot easier. So that's a big uh, benefit for watchtower. It's the same benefit for your own node. Yeah, but I guess it, you know, your own node is just watching one channel while a watchtower may be watching thousands or even yep. who knows how many. So, um, oh, that's true. Uh, okay. One final thing I want to ask you. Uh, so, I already mentioned earlier, and I think at the very start of the episode, that it started, any prevout started as no input. And I think that one of the main differences between no input and any prevout is that any prevout is designed specifically for taproot. That that could be. At least I know that it's designed specifically for taproot. I don't know when the name changed. Um, but I think that's when. Okay. But what happens in taproot... So what happens normally with SIGASH, uh, you know, the different SIGASH type, like the crowdfunding one that we talked about in the beginning... is you can just do that whenever you want to. So you can take any of your inputs in your wallet and you can send them somewhere and that new transaction can have any of these SIGHashes. But for this new type, you can't just do that with any of your wallet addresses. So that's kind of a safety feature. You actually have to put them into a new address that you create. uh, And that is a taproot address with a special version number in it. Technically, I think it's a it's a new public key version, but that doesn't really matter. It's it's a way to, you you have to opt into this, so you have to actually create a taproot thing where your coins go uh, that actually says, okay, this can be spent using the any prefout mechanism. Right. 
So that reduces the chance of like accidental food gun scenarios that we talked about in the beginning, where you receive donations on the same address and they just disappear. Right, right. Okay, how do you think that went, George? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's one of those topics I think you have to hear several times in several different ways to get it, and we have contributed one such yeah, a way. I've, but I don't think this is thing. This I think it's rare that people will understand this in the first go. Yeah, at least for me. This I mean, lightning itself the, is hard to wrap your head around. So. Well, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the sort of big part of the problem that. Yeah. The higher up you get in all of these layers, the more complex it seems to get because now you've got to understand more. Yeah, but in a way, this sense. is simpler than, than the real life. You know, yeah, we're actually simple. We're, we're taking a step back in a way. Anyways. Which, is, which is similar like, to the Schnorr story where Schnorr is easier than ECDSA. So Taproot is, kind of make, is going back to the simpler ways and L2 would also go back to the simpler ways. And hopefully one day this soft fork will happen. It's, yeah, it's much, we, have, much we simpler. haven't mentioned that. Yeah, so it's a soft fork. Um, so it's a protocol upgrade. Uh, I get it's definitely not going to happen before Taproot. No, because it needs Taproot exactly in its current incarnation. So we'll first have to see how the whole speedy trial thing ends up. Yeah, but I hope that it's or not happening. It's or, a much simpler soft fork. I think from the proof of concepts I've seen, it's it's like thirty lines of code. To do this, sure. I guess it's f- quite possible that if Taproot activates, that this would be the next soft fork after that. It, yeah. I mean, nobody's in charge of that, but given sure. that it's pretty simple, yeah, and hopefully no longer controversial now that it's been flushed out into this version. Um, and now that everyone understands it perfectly, thanks to our podcast episode. Exactly. You're welcome, world. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's it for me. Uh, Alrighty then. Thank you for listening to the Van Weirdem Shorts NATO. There you go.